Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. Another manic Monday, praying for the week to go by. Another torture Tuesday, I cannot seem to open my eyes. The money, money, we all got to make it, yeah. But every day should be a vacation. I wish you would. everyone joining us online on our other campuses. Glad you guys are with us for Sunday Fun Day. This is a series really about how to make the most out of your liquid experience in 2016. And last week we, uh, we talked about uh, the ingredients of great worship. We're inviting people. They can feel free. They can, can lift their hands a little bit. And that was new for some of you. Uh, it was funny. At the end of the service, I saw there was, a, there was a minor miracle in Morristown. I actually saw some of you Unfold your arms, put down your coffee cup, and open your hands in worship. I know, it was a small step, but it's a big deal. I actually had one guy come up to me, and he had never, you know, opened his hands in church before. He said, Pastor Tim, I carried the TV. He was very excited, you know? I was like, go for the widescreen this week, you know? Another woman came up. She takes out her iPhone. She goes, look, look at this picture. She took a picture of her husband. She goes, he never raised his hands, and he had his hands open, and he's there, and he's, you know, feeling a little sheepish, and I was like, what'd you do? Did you measure the fish? Because he's kind of a, a fisherman kind of guy. He goes, yeah, but it was like a handful of minnows. I just, you know, and then this. I was like, yeah, it's a great place to start. That's awesome. Progress. Whatever your uh, comfort level is, I, that is completely fine. Why to let you know this is a place where there's great freedom. You can worship however you feel comfortable, handful of minnows, wash the window, whatever you want to do, feel free. And that's because I want really, when you to come on Sundays, really feel like, man, well, how's God going to stretch me today? How's God going to grow me today? I grew up in a church where the people there just, just kind of sat and soaked. Do you know what I mean by that? In other words, they sat there in the service and just kind of listened and just like sour lemon soaked. And uh, I mean, years. I saw people who in that church for years sat there and you know what? They heard hundreds of sermons, sang thousands of songs, but they left after Sunday fundamentally changed. Hey, I, Joel, I hear a little ring in my ear. Can you just get rid of the ring? Thanks. And it's funny because I was like, I hope that's not going to be the case for this church, because my heart is your pastor, is that when you come on Sunday, you'd have this sense of expectation, where you'd feel like, you know, you encounter God in worship, the Holy Spirit, and that you'd feel stretched by God's word and leave different, so that what happens on Sunday makes a difference Monday through Friday. And that's what I want to talk about today. How do we deepen our relationship with Christ? By connecting in community during the week. Last Sunday, I introduced you to our spiritual pathway at Liquid. In fact, we printed it in your program. So can everyone just kind of take out their program real quick? You may have seen this or you're new and you're like, oh, I didn't know that's what you called it. It's called the pathway. You'll see on the right-hand side it says, come, connect, contribute. In other words, if you were to attend our church and say, all right, Tim, I'll give you a year. I'm here. I want to go deeper in my relationship with Jesus. I want to get to know God. I want to understand his purpose for my life. What's liquid strategy for making disciples of Christ? A disciple is just a follower. How do you follow Jesus? And our strategy is very simple. It's this three-step pathway we call come, connect, contribute. Everybody who calls Liquid their church home, we say, do three things. Here they are. Ready? It's very easy. 
come to worship on Sundays. That's the first step. Congratulations, you're here. That's awesome. But then the second is to take a step into connecting in community. In other words, what happens primarily through our small groups that meet during the week in people's homes. That's how we make a big church like ours actually feel small. It's awesome to worship in a crowd on Sundays, but if you want a sense of belonging at Liquid, you have to take a step into groups. In groups, you get together with 8 to 12 other people who typically live in your area and apply the Bible to life. We discuss the sermon. We ask questions. You know, what's it mean? How does it apply to me? How do I you know, pray for others? We have groups all over New Jersey every day of the week, every age and stage, single folks married, and you've come at a great time. Uh, new groups are forming right now today for 2016. More about that in a moment. But come connect, and then the third step is contribute by serving on a team. In other words, you have time, you have talents. God has given you abilities to build up the church and serve your neighbors. Whether it's mentoring a middle schooler or helping feed the homeless, you're going to have a lot of chances to do that in 2016. But come, connect, contribute. That's our strategy. That's our pathway for making disciples of Jesus Christ. And if you do these three things, I really believe that you will be stretched. Your relationship with God will grow deeper, and Sunday will become a fun day, the best day of your week. Now, today, I want to highlight kind of the second step and show you what it means to connect in community. And to demonstrate that, I'm not actually going to tell you. I picked a couple people out of our congregation to do that for me. They're going to describe to you, Paul and Leilani Benjamino, what happens when they open their home to their group during the week. I could describe this, but this is a taste of what happens when people who are sitting in rows on Sunday step into a circle and taste community. My name is Paul. This is my wife, Leilani. Uh, we've been going to Liquid for about going on five years, and um, we've been blessed with uh, three wonderful kids, Joshua, Kira, and Jaden. We've been married for roughly about seven years. We've been hosting this life group uh, roughly for about four years. Uh, it started out, actually, uh, the group was a men's group. We started out with four gentlemen, and uh, we met um, over at Mellow Park Mall in Edison. And as the group grew, um, it was kind of hard having group within that setting at the mall because it was getting kind of noisy and putting all the tables together, it just got a little complicated. Uh, once the renovations were done in the house, I mean, it made sense. The group was growing and um, the house was open, so everybody should come here. And we've been hosting ever since. And then they adopted me. It was just great because even some of the men were just inspired to, they brought in their wives and they brought in their girlfriends and it was just a great thing. I've been attending this life group for a little over a year. It's just really been great, something I look forward to every week and it's like the highlight of the week really. Coming to a big church, it's a little overwhelming because you know, how do you get to meet people or you know, make friendships and connections. And ever since we started life group, it's great because you know, our host has set up a group text and almost every day <laughs> somebody's texting a message, you could do a prayer request, whatever it is. We feel that Pastor Tim has great insight. And um, you know, coming into group, you know, those are things that, that we feel comfortable talking about. You know, we could go into the same scriptures that he would, he would review on his sermon and we could go through that actually through the group. I love when we did the 40-day uh, the Bible challenge. We did it as a group. I think what's how I've grown in my relationship since I've joined the Life Group is just understanding the Word better, you know, and how I can apply it, not just hearing a sermon, but how it applies to me and at work, at home, with my kids, and 
that's really been like motivating, inspiring for me to do more and see how I can be a witness to and be bolder for Christ. You know, we encourage any and all questions people might have. One of the strengths that um, our group has together is that we're very transparent. And it's definitely a safe place. You know, they just are willing to share um, everything about them and their lives and there's definitely, and there's trust and there's respect and um, there's love. So it's great. It's family. It's family. It is. We thank Paul Leilani and Cynthia and Stephen for opening their group to us. It gives you a little bit of picture. And I really believe, guys, that community is God's most fertile ground for growing people deeper in their relationship with Christ. And so what I want to do today is I want to, I want to just be very upfront with you about my goal, all right? If you're not in a group today, I am going to use all my persuasive powers to poke, to prod, to spur, to inspire you to get into a group for 2016 and really take this next step into community because here's the big idea. Let me, let me tell you why. The reason I'm so passionate and want to encourage you to join a group in 2016 is because I believe with all my heart that circles are stronger than rows. Can we say that together? Circles are stronger than rows. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Right now, what are you sitting in? What are you sitting in right now? A row, all right? That's what we do on Sundays. We come to church, and it's awesome to sit in rows, right? We worship. Some of us raise our hands. Uh, we open the Bible. We encounter God's Word. We jot down a few ideas, and I love that. I make a living preaching to people who sit in rows, but here's the truth. Honestly, listen. Preaching is not enough. It's not. It's not enough to just sit and hear a speaker on Sunday and assume your life is going to change. Like somehow your relationship with God is going to magically grow deeper. The place where true life happens is not in a row. It is in a circle. It is in a small group. Because when you meet with other believers, what can you do in a circle that you can't do in a row? Well, the first off, you get to sit in a circle and talk face to face. You get to conversate. In other words, you get to discuss about what we're learning. You can ask questions. I remember the first group that Colleen and I led. Some guy said, I said, turn to the New Testament. And he goes, um, so New Testament, just a quick question. So there's the Old Testament. Is this the new and improved version? So like we don't read the old or anything? And I was like, no, no, no. And I explained that. But people have questions, and there's no way to ask that on Sunday. In circles, we get to wrestle through the tough issues of our lives and actually talk about honestly what's going on. We pray. We care for each other in circles. And let me tell you something. When a crisis hits your life, you can call our church office, and you are gonna, we're going to respond with concern. We're going to respond with compassion. But the real care comes in your circle. Your circle are the ones who visit you in the hospital when you're sick. Your circles are the ones who, who make a meal when a baby gets born and everything is in chaos. <laughs> your circle is the one who helps you when you hit a speed bump in your marriage or there's a transition at work and you need prayer. I'm telling you, I love when our church gathers on Sunday in a row. But at the end of the day, circles are stronger than rows. And that's by design. That's God's design. Let me show you this uh, in the Bible. Would you open your Bible to James chapter 1? I'll show you what I'm talking about. I want to show to you this morning the three characteristics of community that you and I were designed to enjoy. And at Liquid, we call these the ABCs of group life. And these are in your notes if you want to fill in the blanks. The ABCs of group life. And starting with A, groups. These circles, these are the place where we, A, apply the Bible. In other words, we take what we learn on Sunday and we apply it Monday through Friday. If you locate James chapter 1, I want to read verses 22 through 24. Here's what it says. James writes, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Everybody says together in bold. Ready? 
Do what it says. In other words, apply it to your life. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. And guys, let's be honest. This is what happens if you just sit in a row on Sunday. Right now you are listening to the word, but that does not necessarily translate to doing what it says. It doesn't mean you are magically now going to apply it to your life. In fact, it's quite simple, that you, likely that you'll walk away today or every Sunday challenged, inspired, but with no follow-up environment to put into practice. Experience tells us that just listening in a, in a large group, it means that you can be very passive about your faith. You can listen, but you can avoid application. You have no chance to ask questions. You can never uh, dialogue with others. So on Sunday, you can feel inspired, but by Monday, what happens? It fades by Tuesday, it starts getting fuzzy, and by Wednesday, it's gone. <laughs> That's what James is talking about. He's like, anyone who just listens to the word but doesn't do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror after looking at himself, goes away, immediately forgets what he looks like. But now watch. Whoever looks intently, in other words, they look a little bit deeper into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, say this together, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. <laughs> In other words, God's like, do you want to be blessed? Don't just listen to God's word. I want you to actually do what it says. And the only way you do that is in community. See, groups are the place where you have the best chance of applying Monday through Friday what we talk about on Sunday. Think, think of it this way. What we discover in rows, we discuss in circles because they're face-to-face. -face. On Sunday, guys, it, I, listen, I, I'm up here and I'm giving, kind of giving a monologue, but a circle is all about dialogue. You have conversation. You can ask questions. Well, what does that mean? You can discuss ideas. Did that make sense? You can actually say, I'm not sure I agreed with Tim on that. <laughs> this may come as a shock to you. The other service gasped at this. The reality is, I don't know everything there is to know about the Bible. We want to gasp, go, <gasps> dun, dun, dun. God has not revealed to me every angle and beauty of his truth. You have something to contribute. We believe you have life experiences that give you a certain understanding of scripture that help others know God more fully. Your upbringing, your failures, your victories, your struggles, your passions, they help the rest of us know God in a deeper way. So in community, our actually collective relationship with Jesus gets multiplied, and that's the goal. It's applying the Bible in community. That's simply what Christ followers do. Acts 17 talks about this group of Jews. They were called the Bereans, and here's what Acts 17 says about them. It says, now the Berean Jews were of more noble character. They received the message with great eagerness, and what? examined the scriptures every day, not just Sunday, to see if what Paul said was true. I want you to think about this. This is the apostle Paul came preaching to them. He's the greatest missionary evangelist who, you know, in the New Testament turned the world upside down. Paul comes preaching the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ, and the Bereans are excited. They receive the message with eagerness, but they didn't stop there. It says they examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. They didn't just buy what he was preaching. They got together, opened the Bible, and took it for a test drive. See, that's the traditional Jewish way of learning the scriptures. There's actually a Hebrew word for it. It's called havruta. Can you say that? Havruta. Look at you. You're Hebrew. According to Jewish learning, listen to this. It says, Jews seldom study Torah. That's the Hebrew scriptures alone. The study of Torah is more often than not a social, even communal activity. Most commonly, Jews study scripture in pairs, a method known as havruta, or fellowship. That's where we get the word. In havruta, the pair struggles to understand the meaning of each passage and discuss how to apply it to the larger issues addressed 
and their own lives. See, guys, that's how it was in the first century. It was when you opened the Bible, you studied, you wrestled, and applied it in circles, in community. And here's, the, here's an honest acknowledgement. As Protestants, we have missed this. As Protestants in the 21st century, we make faith primarily a private matter. Think of it. How is your personal quiet time going? Uh, we order all sorts of books. We read them. We put headphones in. And now I'm listening to a Joyce Meyer podcast, just me and Joyce. Uh, then I go sit in a hammock and pray, just me and Jesus, all by myself. But circles open and broaden our perspective because you you're forced to hear what others think. <laughs> so your narrow-minded legalism and bigotry gets challenged. You apply it to life, and it challenges you to do others do the same. And you can actually cross-reference scripture. You actually dig deeper on a Wednesday night than we typically have time for on Sunday morning. Now, I'm not dogging Sunday worship. It's the first step on our spiritual pathway. And I love preaching to Rose. But listen, at Liquid, our strength is in our circles. Not because we came up with this. Where did this come from? I want you to think about the original small group. Who knows? Who was the first small group leader in the Bible? Anybody? Jesus. Yes, if you're new to church, the answer is almost always Jesus, okay? If you don't know. <laughs> Not always, but about 90% of the time, right? <laughs> you know? <laughs> okay. Uh, Jesus was the original small group leader. Think of it like the idea of calling together, hey, a small band of guys to do life with. Well, Jesus preached to thousands of people, but what did he do? He chose 12 disciples, a group of men to pour into relationally. This is what it says in Mark. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted. They came to him, and he appointed 12. Why? Watch. That they might be with him, and he might send them out. In other words, for three years, Jesus and these 12 dudes met together as a small group, and they ate together, they prayed, they fought, they forgave, they served, they studied. They learned to follow Jesus in community. Jesus and the 12 were the original small group. That's one of the reasons why our groups typically have 8 to 12 people located in a similar area of town, just so it's convenient to meet. And I understand you probably are like, I'm very, very busy, Tim. You don't understand. I see some of you, you're like, no way, dude. <laughs> just getting here on Sunday is a huge victory in my book, right? Groups take time. I don't have a free night. Relationships are messy. Some of you are already like, there's no way I could afford another night out. My schedule is slammed. Our kids are running around. Listen, I understand you're busy. I get that. It's New Jersey. We're all busy, okay? But here's my question. If Jesus himself made space in his schedule for a small group, do you think maybe you might too? Or are you busier than God? <laughs> okay? <laughs> Listen, guys, community is part of God's design, and it's got to be a priority if you're going to grow as a disciple of Christ. Jesus himself preached to thousands, but he prioritized his circle because that circle changed the world. This small group started the original church. Did you know that's how Liquid Church started? Liquid Church started with Colleen and I plus 10 of our friends, 10, or it was 12 total with us, adults sitting in a circle. And we opened the Bible, we read it, we served each other, we, we went out into the community, we actually took God at his word. And that's how this church started. And so eight years ago, when we launched public worship service, we, we designed it. We said we still have to have groups. From the very beginning, we designed Liquid so that it would not be a Sunday-only experience. That's what we're known for, right? We're famous for our rows. But watch, our strength comes from our circles. 
Circles really are stronger than rows, and that's why we created groups, because they're the primary discipleship tool in our church. It's where we learn to apply and live out what it means to be a disciple of Christ. And that's really my hope for you this year. My hope is that in 2016, some of you will step out of a row into a circle and take the next step in your journey with Jesus. Actually do what he did and find a group of your own to dig into God's word and follow Christ with others. This is the perfect Sunday to do that. Today in your program, we put a card that looks like this. It says groups on the front. Can anyone kind of take that out? Just take a look at it. Even if you're in a group, if you're ready to take a next step into community, all you have to do is fill this out with your contact info, hand it in at the end of today's service, and your campus team will do their very best to help you find a group that is close to where you live. And you notice we said day and time. When are you available? We'll work with your schedule. The reason we want to do this is because in a couple weeks, we are starting a brand new teaching series called The Land Between. It's our February series. And I know this is going to strike a chord with many of you, but I want you to have the ability to apply it to your life. So let me give you a preview of the terrain we're going to be exploring in God's Word. Check this out. We all have dreams for where life is going and where we thought we'd be by now. At this age, at this stage, What happens when life takes a detour? You hit a dead end you didn't see coming. You lose your job. A relationship goes south. Your health fails. Or a dream is lost. What happens when you find yourself stuck? between the place you once were and the place you're trying to reach. Welcome to the Land Between. The Land Between is our February teaching series, and we're going to walk through the book of Exodus, where God's people are liberated from Egypt, and God says, I'm going to take you to where? The promised land, but what happens? They get stuck in the desert for how long? 40 years. <laughs> what do you do when life takes an unexpected detour? There's a change in your job or your working scenario. You're caught between the one you're in and where you're going to go. Or your relationship changes. This is going to speak, I know, to both single and married folks. Maybe a relationship recently ended and you're waiting for, for a new one to begin. Or maybe you thought you'd be married one day, but you're still single. In 2016, you may go through a change in your health, and the desire to plow through and get to the promised land is strong. But as much as you want to, you know you can't make it happen. There is this season of waiting called the land between. And here's a secret. While you may want to avoid it, it provides your greatest opportunity for spiritual growth. God says, I want to meet you in your chaos and your emotional upheaval, and I want to show you my goodness and my provision. And so this is a series about hope and finding God's will for your life. If you're in an uncloudy spot, here's how you find God's direction. Here's how he reveals himself. I know this is going to click with somebody. I was preparing for it this week, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is, this is powerful truth. The light bulb's going to go on. But here's my fear. My fear is that some of you are going to come, and you've been coming Sunday after Sunday, sitting in a row, and you're going to be inspired. You're going to be like, this is totally true. This is me. And on Monday, you're going to think about it. By Tuesday, you'll tweet about it. By Wednesday, it's gone. <laughs> And if that describes you, there is a chair in a circle with your name on it. And all you have to do today is just fill out this card. Let us know what works best. And our team is going to do our best. We're going to be in touch this week. 
and try to find a group and work with your schedule to place you in for 2016. If you join a group, you're going to have friends to ask questions with, apply it to your life. And this is where God does his deepest work. Because if you go through a desert season, you need other people to care for you and to actually pray for you. That's the second ingredient of groups at Liquid. The first ingredient is A, we apply the Bible. But second is B, we bear each other's burdens. Let's be honest. We're very honest at Liquid if you're new. Life is hard, but the church is here to help. And groups are the place where it's actually okay to be honest about your struggles, about your sins, without fear of being judged or gossiped or tweeted about, okay? Instead, you actually have to receive care and prayer from other brothers and sisters in Christ, which is a core function of the church. I want to show you this. There's 50 commands in the New Testament that say one another, serve one another, love one another. I want you to see this one from Galatians 6. Can we read it together? It says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. If you want to know what it's like to follow Jesus, the whole thing is summed up. It's all about this. Life is like a box of chocolates. No, it's not. It's like a bag of rocks. <laughs> In other words, at some point this year, you're going to have something heavy to carry. You're going to have a burden. A burden is when somebody gets sick, right? A burden is when you lose your job. A burden is when you go through a trial or a speed bump in your marriage or your kid goes off the deep end, or there's an unexpected diagnosis, suddenly life gets heavy. And God says, when that happens, I don't want you to carry that burden alone. I want you to bear one another's burdens. In other words, come alongside each other, and together you're going to carry this thing. And our groups are where we bear burdens. These are the ones, these are the guys who visit you in the hospital. Your group are the ones who make a meal when somebody's sick, or you have a baby, and now everything is in chaos. <laughs> Your group is the one who helps you move into a new home. It's positive things, too. Your group are the ones who drive you to the airport. You can always tell who your real friends are, right, by who will give you a ride to the airport. Your group, some of you are like, I'm not joining one now. I get it. <laughs> Listen, the point of community is to offer Christ's love and compassion during heavy times because there's many of us in this church right now who are in a crisis or we're about to go into one. <laughs> if you're like, well, I'm not really, just wait, okay? It's early in the year. Every person... In this room, you're going to encounter a situation this year where you need support, and that's where circles come into play. Circles are where you get the care and support from each other, and it is one of the wisest investments you can make. Just ask Solomon. Solomon was a, a king, and he was considered the, the smartest person on the planet. And in Ecclesiastes, here's what Solomon writes about relationships. He says this, two are better than what? One, because they have a good return for their labor. In other words, if you're washing your car, invite a friend over. You get it done quicker. If either one of them, what, say it together, falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls. Pity the fool, Mr. T. <laughs> and has no one to help them up. It talks about one person falling down and someone else helping them up. And we see this all the time at Liquid. We see it all the time just in community. Have you ever seen somebody fall financially and there's no one but their family to help them up? Have you ever seen a, a couple in their marriage and one of them falls morally and the husband or the wife is crying, pleading, somebody help me, somebody help, but there's no one there to help them up? Have you ever seen somebody in a family, they get this unexpected diagnosis, this curveball happens, and there's a doctor and there's, there's health care, but there's no spiritual care. Nobody's there to help them up. In that moment, here is the question. This is the question. Listen to this. Who feels free to ask are you okay and won't accept I'm fine as an answer? 
In other words, outside of your immediate family, is there a group of people in your life who have permission to say, hey, are you okay, really? And won't accept, no, no, no I'm fine. It's a scratch. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> As an answer. They won't put up with platitudes or just skim the surface. Because that's what authentic biblical community does. Groups offer a safe place to be transparent about your struggles. You can let your hair down, be honest about your temptations without fear of being gossiped or judged. And they're designed to be open and safe and vulnerable where you can be honest about what you're going through. And you're going to get prayer. You're going to get care support. When we all go through this, when you go through a desert season, you're not meant to be a Lone Ranger Christian. We ride off in the sunset all alone. Good job, cowboy. No, 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 no. The Bible says love one another, serve one another, forgive one another, bear one another's burdens over 50 times, not in a superficial, abstract way, but life on life, face to face in community, which is inevitably messy. Let me tell you about the last group that Colleen and I were in together. We we're part of a, a group with four or five other couples who had kids, and we were together for over two years. And over that time, this week, I made a list of the kind of burdens that we shared together and helped carry one another through. In those two years, we actually had two men who unexpectedly lost their jobs. And we helped them up, and we carried their family, and we supported them through unemployment. Not financially, but we said, is there anything you need? How can we be praying? We're texting encouragement, praying for job interviews. We had a, one woman in our group went through a double mastectomy. Totally unexpected. Major illness, major crisis. And we prayed. We would lay hands on. We would bless. We would we'd visit in the hospital. All that stuff. Where else is that going to happen? There was another, uh, we all had kids, and some of our kids struggle with, you know, ADHD or anxiety or depression or whatever it is, and we'd invite our kids and actually pray for the kids. The truth is, you'll respond much better to the weight of life, the heavy situations, the burdens, if you have someone there to share it with. That's the point Solomon is making. He says, two are better than one. If either of them falls down, one helps the other up. And then he adds this in verse 12. I love this. He says, Though one may be overpowered, Hebrew word is overwhelmed. Life is overwhelming. Two can defend themselves in a cord of what? Three strands is not quickly broken. Translation, circles are stronger than rows every time. It's simple math. If you're facing a heavy burden, would you rather carry this all by myself or actually split it and share it between two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve other Christians who can help carry it with you? Circles are stronger than rows. And when life gets heavy, we have to bear each other's burdens, and we do that through prayer. Prayer is the essential ingredient of group life. And if you're like, well, I don't like praying in front of others, that's okay. It's not, it's not an awkward thing. We don't force anybody. But in circles, we pray for all sorts of issues, from struggles with temptation to healing from sickness. We take the uh, truth of James 5, which says this. Look at this. It's such a cool verse. James says, confess your sins to who? Isn't that weird? Like, if you're like, wait, I thought I confessed my sins to God, or like, you know, I thought it was to a priest or something like that. He says, confess your sins to each other. In other words, yes, God forgives your sins. There's something powerful about sharing your temptations. It drains it of its power when you confess that to each other. And pray for who? Each other, so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is what? Powerful and effective. It's one thing to pray by yourself in your daily devotions, and every Christian should pray daily but it's a whole different ballgame to have a community of people praying with and for you, especially in a time of struggle or sickness. I remember one time, I want to tell you how proud I am of, of some of you. I remember one time I got a call uh, about a key volunteer at Liquid. Uh, he went in for an operation, and there were complications during the surgery. And during the surgery, he went unconscious. He was rushed to the ICU, and I was called to come visit him at the hospital that weekend. And the problem was this. I was away with our family on Saturday, 
And I was like, by the time I get back on Sunday, I got to preach three services. So I, I, I preached three services, and then I drove straight to the hospital that afternoon. And it was so weird because I got to the hospital, and the nurses didn't want to let me in. And typically, you know, you just say, oh, I'm the pastor. Show them the credentials, and, you know, you go in. And uh, they said, no, 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 you're, you're not the pastor. <laughs> I was like, okay. They said, no, 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 the pastors were already here last night. Yeah, there were three of them. I was like, really? And she looked at the other nurse. Yeah, two more pastors came this morning. In fact, they're in there right now. And I'm like, they're supposed to be at their campuses right now. Okay, that's right, you know. And so they let me down to the ICU, and I walk in, and standing there, gathered around his bed was his small group. Every age and stage, comforting his wife, praying for him, arranging for meals that week, and transportation. Can I tell you, I was never prouder of this church than at that moment. Because I was irrelevant. The professional pastor was extraneous. Because that man and his wife were in a, a circle. There was a group of friends who were instantly on the scene to provide the comfort, care, and offer loving support. They took a serious blow, but that circle was there to help their family up. I'm telling you, circles are stronger than rows. It's how we provide spiritual care in a congregation our size. It's how we make a big church feel small. Your groups are the ones who bear burdens. They, they visit you in the hospital. They help you move furniture. If you're not in a group, you're missing out on the power and care and community. That's a key part of group life, and I want to finish by letting Paul and Leilani just describe the power of a circle that prays, cares, and serves together. I think everybody goes through a lot of different seasons. Some of them are uh, very difficult to go through, you know, just because, you know, this group is, is like family. You know, we definitely pull together. There was an instance where um, somebody within the group actually lost a family member, and uh, it was difficult. As a group went out to the actual wake, of that individual together as a group and just to show our support and our love for that for that person. You know, our group, our, we definitely love doing outreaches together. Um, one of the ones that was memorable to me was being part of the relief bus. It was definitely something that took me out of my comfort zone. And I'm that person that always kind of sits on the fence. So I trusted God at that point and just saying, man, this is just gonna be a, a great experience for all of us. So, you know, we got to serve on probably one of the colder, colder nights there uh, at the relief bus and uh, my son he got to give out soup we got to give out some care packages mm -hmm. and um, you know we also got to pray for individuals who came up for the soup I mean to be able to do that with uh, my wife and my oldest son you know just to see that it's a beautiful thing and I love it I see now every Wednesday that it lights up my my kids eyes oh it's life group it's life group today and even say for maybe a rare occasion that we're not able to host they would say, what happened to Life Group, Dad? To me, that's like one of the best things um, that I could ever hear as a dad. Like to them, it's normal that, you know, Wednesday people come here, um, you know, we, we praise, we worship, we pray, we talk about things. You know, they're always upstairs. They come downstairs. Sometimes they come for prayer. Sometimes they come for worship. Sometimes they come just to listen. It's such a blessing just to see that and to see the growth, not only in myself, but also in my children. So, I mean, I think that's something I definitely appreciate with being part of a life group. Not only has it stretched myself, but it also has stretched my family. I, my only regret is that I didn't join it sooner. <laughs> Regrets? Yeah, my only regret is that I didn't join it sooner. You can actually tell their group enjoys each other. They, they actually meet to go out for dinner, to go bowling, to hang out with their kids together, to serve together. And that's really the final ingredient of great groups. The first is we apply the Bible, it's the foundation of everything. We bear each other's burdens, but finally, by joining a group, you get a chance to serve. 
whether it's feeding the homeless on the streets of Newark through the relief bus or serving adults with special needs at night to shine. Every group is designed to get out of their seats and into the streets to serve. Every group, we give a missional mandate. In other words, your job is not to just have a holy huddle that goes on forever. <laughs> it's to get out and serve your neighbors, serve the poor, put your faith in action. Let me tell you something. We have outstanding outreaches planned for 2016, and groups are your ticket in. Again, you're like, well, I could just sign up to serve by myself. Yeah, you could sign, serve by yourself. I get that. But when a small group locks arms to serve together, the impact is exponential. I saw this with my wife's uh, life group. My wife, Colleen, is part of a women's group. She hosts on uh, every other Wednesday morning, mostly young moms, a lot of them with kids and babies. And in the fall, if you guys remember, we gave each group $52 cash to use to bless somebody unexpectedly in their neighborhood. We were teaching, right, on how Jesus fed the 5,000. We said, hey, he's got five loaves and two fishes, and he multiplied it, and he blessed a lot of people. We're giving you $52. And the application was, how can you use this to multiply and bless other people. And one of the women in their group remembered that she had a next-door neighbor who was diagnosed with stage 4 breast cancer. And she didn't have a lot. She was going through recovery. Bills were mounting. This family was really having a hard time. And so their women's group actually said, we're going to use our $52 to host a garage sale. And so they enlisted a lot of us husbands on Saturday to schlep all the furniture, all the baby gear, and all that kind of stuff. And honestly, I was like, ah. Oh. And it was, but it was so cool because uh, at the end of the day, they ended up selling their stuff and they multiplied their $52 into $1,600. And the women in the group were so excited. They're like, oh, I can't believe what you just multiplied. You know, the tears and everything. It's a women's group. Don't email me. It just is. It just was, all right? They were just amazed how God like multiplied their resources. And so they took that $1,600, listen to this, and they split it between two women who don't go to this church. The sick next-door neighbor who was going through chemo, as well as a babysitter who was undergoing radiation for breast cancer as well. Two women who don't even go to our church were recipients of God's radical generosity and love and care from a group. Forget Powerball. That's the power of God. Amen? That's the power of community. That's a circle of sisters who said, let's come together and let's apply the Bible. We're going to take Jesus' teaching on being a blessing, and then we're going to have to see a chance to serve our neighbors with the love of Christ. See, as God changes us through his word, he uses you to impact others. And let me tell you, these moms, these moms are busy, okay? They got multiple kids. Some of them have jobs. They got very busy schedules, but they made it a priority because being a mom, being a wife, what didn't come first? They said, first off, I'm a disciple of Jesus. And this is what disciples do. They serve together because circles are much stronger than rows. I want to leave you with this final verse from Hebrews 10. Writer Hebrews says this. I love this. <laughs> he says, let us consider how we may, say this together, one another on towards love and good deeds. And then he says, not giving up meeting together. In other words, don't give up. Maybe you were in a group that didn't go well. You're like, I'm a little bit reluctant, gun shy. He's like, don't give up as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another in all the more as you see the day approaching. In other words, the return of Christ has never been closer. And in that time, in that moment between Christ's returns and you being here, I love this phrase, let us consider. In other words, let's give this some thought and not assume it's just going to happen. <laughs> the Bible's like, let's not just assume you're going to apply the Bible to your life. Let's not assume you're going to think of creative ways to serve your neighbors. Let's be intentional. Let's consider how we can spur one another on towards love and good deeds. So here's a little spurring for you. <laughs> we made it super simple for you to get connected to a group today. 
if you're here today and you're like, I think I know my next step, it's stepping out of my row and into a circle. From this big service into smaller community, this is your ticket in. I know some of you have already been filling it out and I heard the clicking of pens. Fill this out in the next 60 seconds because our ushers are going to pass down the popcorn buckets and you just drop it in. And we will be in touch with you this week, and I promise, we will work our butts off to connect you to a group that will grow you deeper in your relationship with Christ this year. And if you're here today, you've probably seen on the back, it says, interested in leading a group, yes or no. Maybe you're like, you know what? I could lead a group. I'm not sure. I feel like God's maybe been saying that to me. If he's been whispering that in private, I'm going to confirm it in public. You need to lead a group. <laughs> Some of you need to get off the sidelines and get down and actually start impacting live. If that's you, just check. I'm interested in leading a group. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. We're going to give you materials and support as you go along, but we'll get, send you more info. And guys, if you do step out of your row, into a circle, buckle up, because when you step closer to community, you are stepping closer to Jesus Christ. Amen? Well, as all our camps, as you finish uh, filling out your information there, I'm going to call our ushers forward. I'm going to pray for you, and then just drop that card in the popcorn bucket when it goes by, and then your campus leader will dismiss you. So let's bow our heads in prayer, would you? Father God, we thank you that you are a God who exists in community. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Perfectly equal, perfectly loving, Father God. That's, that's who we're the, uh, the sons and daughters of, Father. We were born out of community. And Father God, when you created Adam, you said it's not good for him to be alone. I'm going to put him in community. Father, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, would you confirm for people who know that this is a missing piece in their life. Father God, would you give them the courage to actually step into community this year, open themselves a little bit up more to the working of your Holy Spirit. God, we want to show this world that's growing darker and darker the light of power of Christ. And so, Father, I ask that at every liquid campus you would form new groups. Father God, I pray there be new leaders. I thank you, Lord, for the faithfulness of the ones who've invested so much in the care and the prayer that's going on every day. In Jesus' name, everyone said together, amen. All right, ushers, you can pass the buckets down the row. Just drop your card in there. We will try to be in touch this week. And could you remain seated as your campus leader comes to dismiss you? Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.